everyone. Welcome back to my podcast, Happy Hour with Victabulous. I am excited about this uh, episode. I know my last, um, in episode one, I said that this was going to be episode two, but I kind of like, we're still doing, you know, kind of figuring out the tweaks and different ways to uh, make this podcast unique and just switch it up a bit. Um, so instead of it being episode two, this is going to be like a tribute episode because the anniversary of Avengers Endgame was exactly a year ago today from when it came out, April 26th. And I'm sure there's a lot of you that are fans of the Avengers movies, myself included. And I really wanted to do this movie as like a, a tribute, you know, a special episode because it is the last movie for the Avengers, um, where it kind of ties up everything, all the other movies that had come out before it, you know, Iron Man, all the other, you know, individual movies with Thor, Captain America, all that, because this really ties up phase three and, and gets, you know, you ready for what Marvel likes to refer to as phase four of the Marvel comic movies that they have lined up for this new phase. Um, so I thought it was it would be really cool and it'd be really important to, to really touch base on this particular movie. So before we get started, though, I wanted to kind of touch base regarding um, episode one um, when I did A Quiet Place. And I really just want the podcast to be a very inclusive and I want the audience to feel like they're involved, um, which is why I created um, an Instagram, a Twitter and most importantly, an email for this specific podcast because I want you guys to feel included and a part of the discussion. So each new episode, I will do kind of like a recap about the previous episode. And that way it gives you guys a chance to email your thoughts, your opinions, you know, what you want to discuss, things that you noticed in the movie that maybe I hadn't touched base on. And also, it's also an opportunity to give you a chance to send me your emails ahead of time so I can discuss those questions while I'm recording. You know, I'll go through emails, kind of pick them out and or the comments that I noticed on, on Instagram or Twitter, and I can make special notes to, to talk about those questions or, you know, whatever it is that you had on your mind when you're listening to the podcast, which is why in the end of each episode, I'll be giving you kind of like a, a preview of the next episode. So you guys have time to email in your suggestions, your, your you know, point of views, things like that, because I really want it to be a very, um, we're all in this kind of together kind of a podcast feel. So, um, cause I know I've been talking to my cousin, um, when this, when I first aired the episode and, uh, one of the questions that he had for a quiet place, which I noticed, but I didn't really talk about, I didn't talk about it at all is where did they get all the sand from, you know, how did they get so much sand to make these trails? You know, you, they live on a ranch, so maybe they already have the sand. I don't know for whatever reason that they may use it for their farmer something like that. But it does make a good point. Like, do they live near a beach or, you know, it doesn't really say where they are. I mean, you can only imagine that they're somewhere, you know, in the Midwest, but who knows, maybe we'll get more information. I told them, it was like, maybe we'll get, you know, they're kind of savoring that information for next time, the second part, part two movie. Um, another thing he said is just, he suspected that the government would have already kind of captured, been able to capture one of these creatures and studying them, which is a possibility because if you remember the movie Cloverfield or not Cloverfield, Super 8, 
you remember the movie Super 8? You know, they, they, when they, this creature becomes kind of like public knowledge by that time and the kids discover it, spoiler alert, they realize, they soon find out that the government has known about these, this creature and has been studying it before it, long before it even escaped. So it could be a possibility. Maybe that's another way they're going to take, and then, you know, another direction they're going to take the part two movie. It's things like this that I, I want you guys to feel like you guys can talk to me about and comment about. And if I catch it in time, you know, I'll try to be good about looking at like, you know, looking through all the comments and, um, for Instagram, Twitter, and then the emails, you know, if I miss it, I sorry in advance, but yeah. So that's just kind of what I hope for this podcast for me as an experience and for you guys. So, um, again, follow me on Instagram and Twitter, happy hour with Victabulous. Twitter is at HHR Victabulous. Um, happy hour with Victabulous is spelled out fully for Instagram. And then, uh, my email is happy hour Victabulous at hotmail.com. Okay. And let's get started. So Avengers Endgame, um, in the beginning, it starts off with uh, Clint Barton, a.k.a. Hawkeye, and he's teaching his daughter archery on his um, secluded farm while his wife prepares a picnic lunch for them. And also, side note, I don't know if like any of you noticed, the, noticed the, the, his sons who are playing catch. This is one of the examples of me recognizing faces. And it happened so quickly that you probably didn't even notice. You'll have to like go and do a playback. So the youngest boy who's who the older brother is playing catch with, he is the son, the youngest son in a quiet place who ends with the rocket and ends up, you know, unfortunately being taken by the monster, the creature. So just a little fun fact there. Things like that I notice. So that's just an example of a hidden talent, I guess. I don't know if you call it that, but that's what I'm calling it. So just thought that would be a little fun fact for you guys um, next time you watch it. Um, so anyways, the wife's preparing lunch. Suddenly, um, Clint's daughter vanishes, and the rest of Clint's family disintegrates, you know, along with the half of all lives across the universe. Um, which is the result of Thanos snapping his fingers after acquiring all of the six infinity stones. So I wanted to just kind of talk about this uh, scene a little bit. I really like that they started off with Clint as the opening to this movie, uh, just because this ties back Hawkeye into the Avengers. Cause if you seen the infinity war, you know, he was, noticeably absent from infinity war and there's been a lot of speculation as to why i initially thought when i was reading you know articles and everything about why he wasn't there was because while he was filming another movie called tag he unfortunately had an, an injury a stunt injury he was doing a stunt on his own and if you've seen the movie again spoiler alert there's a scene where he's, you know, playing, he's doing the tag with his friends and there's, um, a stack of chairs that he climbs up like, like ninja style, like climbs up crazy. 
and the rigging of the stacked chairs unfortunately breaks, which causes the, the chairs to fall. And unfortunately, he was on top of the, all the chairs and he fell down with it. And at first, he didn't think that he injured himself, you know, maybe some bumps and bruises here and there. So he went ahead and record, and, and, and filmed the, the scene. He shot the scene again. And then he realized, actually, I'm not okay. Something's wrong. And it turns out he broke both of his arms. So, you know, him playing Hawkeye, which Hawkeye's, you know, skill is archery, you kind of need both your arms to do your scenes. Unlike the movie Tag, where he said that he was able to, you know, they were able to kind of like use um, a green screen to kind of CGI his arms and stuff because he doesn't do, the movements are not as crazy as him having to do his archery skills um, in Avengers. So, cause he was, he had to wear casts. So they kind of had to work around that on that movie set, but that's what a lot of people speculated as to why he was not in the first Avengers, first part of the Avengers. But apparently in an interview that he did, he states that the Russo brothers, you know, that was kind of like the plan from the very beginning, because if you recall from the end of um, Captain America Civil War, you know, Clint along with Ant-Man and uh, you know, everybody else that was on, on Steve Rogers' side when they were fighting um, Iron Man and Black Widow, they got offered, they mentioned this in a, um, Endgame that the reason why like Clint was missing and so was Ant-Man was because they were given a deal um, to, you know, be under house arrest so they could be with their families, which is what leads us back to the first opening scene in Avengers Endgame is you notice they do a little quick shot of his ankle and he's wearing an ankle bracelet. So, but I, I like how they ended up doing this, making this like the initial kind of tying him back in to the movie and really excited that he was, he was back. Just wanted to give my little two, two cents about that. So anyways, um, and then, you know, so, Clint's family disintegrates. It was kind of showing his where he was at when the whole snap happened. And unfortunately, his entire family got taken as part of the snap. Um, and then Nebula and Tony Stark are, stra um, are stranded in space um, following their unfortunate defeat um, by Thanos on his home planet Titan. But, you know, luckily, uh, Captain Marvel finds them. And they're returned to Earth. Now, I don't know how they found them. I don't know because the ship seemed kind of like beat up and they're just sitting ducks up in space. So maybe this is me underestimating how fast or the abilities that Captain Marvel has in finding and locating people. Um, maybe there was a tracking device on the ship that was still active, so to speak, that they were able to track him down. I don't know. There's just a lot of kind of like not holes in the story, but it's just how did she, you know, they were able to find them in space. So that's my little snippet on that scene. Um, so Carol Danvers, AKA Captain Marvel reunites Tony Stark and Nebula with Black Widow, Hulk, Captain America, Rocket, Thor, and uh, War Machine. Um, and as well, let's not forget most importantly for Iron Man, Pepper. Um, so um, the team formulates a plan to steal the Infinity Stones back from Thanos once they, uh, they find out where he went after the snap. And they want to try to use them to reverse his actions. But when they ambush him on the planet that he's now living at, 
um, they learn upon finding him that he had used the stones a second time to destroy them, you know, to, so that way preventing their further use. He tells the remaining Avengers that he did so to avoid using the stones um, for any purpose. And um, I, re I really wanted to share with you guys this because um, one of my other things that I like to do with movies or just, it just, it just happens. I, I don't really plan for it. It just happens. When I first saw this movie, the scene where they're in Thor's like home and they're questioning him and it's like the impending, the inevitable question, you know, the million dollar question. And I knew they were going to use it and ward it this way. And I got super excited, the inner nerd, weirdo, whatever you want to call it. I just got super excited because I knew that they were going to use this line. I first saw it. I, see, I had a premonition. I saw it. It was great. So I'm a real big fan of Fifth Element. And if you've seen Fifth Element and are a huge fan like I am, you know the words that I'm talking about. Where are the stones? So <laughs> I really liked that they used this. I was, I was geeking out. My husband was like looking at me weird. Like they're not going to use that. They're not going to say it like that. I'm like, they're not going to say it like that, but it's going to be said that those words, those infamous words were stones. Yeah. So that's me. <laughs> and so, um, like I said, I'm a huge fan of Fifth Element, but it was just a matter of time. Like it was just a question of who's going to say it was going to be Captain America, Black Widow, you know, anybody could have said it, but Black Widow said it. She said it really, she said it really, you know, differently, obviously, but I just couldn't get it out of my head. I like, got so, so excited, super geeked out because it's just, it's just famous, a famous line for me. So I quite enjoyed it. I don't know if any of you guys got a kick out of that or made the comparison like I did, but that's one of the things again that I do. So once they realize that the stones are destroyed, Thor, who's completely pissed off and just angry at himself, cuts off Thanos' head, saying that it's what he should have done in Wakanda. Because as you can recall, he used his um, axe to, to injure Th um, Thanos, but you know Thanos famously said you should have aimed for the head, which is what he did this time. And it was kind of like not the best thing for him to do, you know, but obviously he was reacting off his emotions. He lost everything. So what else can go wrong if he does this? Then I didn't think that they were going to go like five years, but I was pretty shocked when they, you know, the scene cut out and then it just popped up that five years later. And it was just like insane. Usually movies do like a year. I was expecting a year. So those five years was just like total, total shock for me. So five years later, um, Ant-Man escapes from the quantum realm, as you recall, if you were watching Ant-Man and Wasp, the second one, at the end, they, you know, they're testing out this theory. He gets caught. He goes into the quantum realm. And before he could get pulled out, that's when, again, Thanos' snap happens, taking Hope, her mom, and her dad. And there he is, stuck. Which, you know what? I have a theory, too. Not a theory. But I, you know who the real hero of this this entire movie and them being able to do what they've done going back in time, everything like that. It's, it's the mouse, the rat, the rodent that crawled on the buttons in Ant-Man's van, which caused Lang to come back from the realm. So, I mean, yes, 
I just thought it was funny, you know, technically thinking about it technically, technically, if we want to get technical and serious, it was the, it was the mouse. It was Mr. Mouse. Cause if he hadn't pushed whatever buttons he did, Ant-Man would still be stuck in the quantum realm and probably would have died eventually. And none of this, you know, would have happened, but that's not how Marvel works. So anyways, moving on. I just thought I'd point that out because I thought it was funny. You know, technically the rat saved him. That's what happened. Cause then he wouldn't have to come out and tell the guy to, you know, tell Avengers about quantum realm and trying to do time space travel, all of that. So anyways, Continuing on, he escapes the quantum realm, discovers that his daughter is a teenager now, slowly putting things together um, and realizing that not just hope is gone, but half of the population has disappeared. Um, and then it kind of cuts to Roger being a uh, counseling session um, for survivors who are still, you know, struggling with the aftermath of the snap. And while, and while he's doing this, you know, it's kind of his way of kind of carrying on as best he can. But while he's doing this, Black Widow is keeping watch of both Earth and the rest of the universe with the help of War Machine, Captain Marvel, Okoye, who was um, basically T'Challa, you know, Black Panther's like right hand woman, uh, Rocket and Nebula. So Ant-Man goes back to the Avengers, like, headquarters and tries to, you know, and is getting filled in by Black Widow and Rogers on what happened. And then um, explains that while he was in the quantum realm, time worked differently for him. So when the rest of the world was, you know, it's been five years since Thanos did what he did, that only five hours passed for him in the quantum realm. And the difference, um, see, the difference in time factors there. So he thinks, he starts coming up with this plan about, oh, you know, maybe we can try to find a way to use the quantum realm to go back in time and take the stones before Thanos does. So it kind of piques Black Widow's and Captain America's interest. They go ahead and decide to go to the one person they think would be able to jump on board and help them with this, who has experience with this kind of science and technology and all that. And, uh, they decide to go and visit Stark, who is now raising a child with Pepper. And they explain their theory with the quantum realm, how it can be used to go back in time and still the infinity stones before Thanos is able to collect them. Um, however, Iron Man, he rejects the proposal because, you know, his defeat with Thanos really, really traumatized him, scared him. And with having his daughter and, you know, Pepper, and it's being, like, given a second chance, he's not willing to risk his family and the peace that he's found. So after rejecting, a, you know, the initial idea, he's reflecting his loss of Peter Parker and decides to test the theoretical models that would work with... Um, Ant-Man's quantum tunnel and eventually finding one that works, which he was, of course, obviously not expecting to. That, in a way, kind of keeps, gets him on board and also the encouragement of, of Pepper. You know, she knows that he's not going to be able to just let this, this new discovery and possibility go to waste. Now that Stark is on board with the plan, the remaining Avengers kind of set out to assemble 
reassemble the team. And in doing so, they kind of, they, they find Bruce, who has now embraced the Hulk as a part of him and has kind of, what is it? He's kind of combined both the, the Hulk side of him to the the human side of him together to be one. Um, so they explain it to him. They're trying to get him on board. And then, um, so once they got Bruce to, to join them back, then Black Widow sets off to find Barton, who heard reports from War Machine that he's kind of been, he went rogue after losing his family. And um, he's kind of acting more of as, a, as an assassin that operates um, with similar methods. Um, that's how they, they figure it out, figure out that it's Hawkeye. But he's just co- completely consumed with grief after the loss of his family and just has been, um, he's using the undercover uh, name Ronin, you know, identity is Ronin. So while brutally massacring, you know, cartels and gangs in order to try and improve the world that's still left. And so Black Widow goes to find him in Japan. Um, and after... Some convincing, which I mean, it's it's Natasha. You know, they're kind of like friendship. It it wouldn't take much for Natasha to convince Hawkeye to to rejoin them and and, and give them that hope of of possibly bringing his family back along with the rest of the world that disappeared. While she's doing that, Hulk and Rocket go to the small town, to a small town of the new Asgard, where Valkyrie and the last survivors of Asgard have settled. Um, there they find Thor. Um, who has become overwhelmed by the guilt and failing to kill Thanos um, back in Wakanda. And in a sense, he's kind of, you know, with that kind of that guilt and depression that he's fallen into, he um, has become overweight. His hair and beard are, you know, overgrown. And he's just, he's kind of fallen from grace. He sees, you know, spends his free time eating junk food, getting drunk, and playing Fortnite with his friends that he um, met, um, Korg and Meek. Um, I thought that this was a pretty hilarious way to, not hilarious, like I'm like poking fun at him getting fat, but I mean, you just didn't expect it because, you know, I think it was very, a very humane way to kind of shine light on the different ways that people grieve and and deal with, you know, failing and losing, one, you know, it's just part of grief. And I thought it was it, it it worked for this, you know, with Thor. You know, he's supposed to be this like great god of thunder, and here he is, kind of not acting, taking that role on, and kind of like has lost himself because of this. So I really thought that was uh, kind of um, a different way to show a point of view of how people are coping. You know, you have uh, Hawkeye who's kind of gone on, you know, gone rogue and trying to do his own kind of like, what is it? Rebelliousness. Like he's a lone wolf kind of anti-hero per se. And then there's Thor, you know, kind of shows these different different sides of, of, of coping and moving on and griefing and, and you know, with Hulk kind of accepting both identities into one. And so, yeah, I just thought that was, that was, that was unique and, and good and cool. Um, so, you know, with some convincing, Thor 
agrees to return with the Avengers. Um, of course, they had to convince him with beer and alcohol and booze, you know, so <laughs> not much to convince him. Um, so after testing the quantum time machine on Hawkeye, who confirms that it works, the Avengers are reunited with a plan. Um, so Hulk, Rogers, Ant-Man, and, and Iron Man, um, they all go as a group to retrieve the timeline and space stone during the Battle of New York because in their research they realize that all those Infinity Stones are in New York at one time. Um, so they're going to New York. Banner goes to the Sanctum Sanctorum where that's where Doctor Strange eventually ends up and he informs the ancient one that taking the time stone from her timeline would prevent Stephen Strange's future efforts to stop Caselis. Caselis, I'm saying this so wrong. Don't murder me. Um, it kind of just it's going to prevent Stephen Strange from doing his what he's meant to do, and um, from destroying the law, like prevent the bad guys from destroying the laws of nature. Um, she eventually, Bruce mentions that Strange's. Strange had intended, had given Thanos the stone in his timeline, which then implies Strange had um, intended for a specific sequence of events to occur in order for Thanos to be defeated. Um, and he promises the stones return to their proper timelines in order to prevent any ill effects from this. Um, and then while he's doing that, Ant-Man and Stark attempt to steal the Space Stone after the Avengers confiscate it from Loki. In order to do this, they create a diversion, um, a distraction. Ant-Man gives Stark's past self um, a cardiac arrest by pulling his um, circuit in his artificial heart. While Stark steals the briefcase housing the Tesseract when nobody is looking. Um, but unfortunately, their plan is interrupted when Stark drops the briefcase after he accidentally is hit by 2012's Hulk. And then Loki is then able to steal the Space Stone and uses it to escape custody. Um, Rogers, however, succeeds in stealing the Mind Stone from undercover Hydra agents, but unfortunately stumbles across his past self, who mistakes him for a disguised Loki. And after defeating past Steve, um, Captain America meets back up with Stark and Lang, who told him that, unfortunately, you know, I have to tell them the bad news that they they lost the, the Tesseract, um, the Space Stone. So then now they have to kind of, they're stuck trying to figure out where they can find the Space Stone again. And fortunately, Iron Man has an idea to go back to the 1970s. He has a, a, a pretty good idea of where the Space Stone is. Um, and so while him and Captain America do that, Ant-Man returns to the present with a Mind Stone. They then go to the um, U.S. Army installation back in the 1970s and also decided to take um, some more vials of pin particles in order to make the journey back home because they only had a one, uh, one what is it? Not a one way, a round trip. They had a round trip to go from where they needed to go to take the to get the the stones the um, and then go back to the present to put them all together. But since they were wasting their round trip to go to back to the 1970s, they had to get some more of the traveling, you know, the the pin particles in order to do that. So Rogers, you know, while he's trying to find the the particles, the pin particles. He sees 
Peggy Carter, the love of his life. And then um, Stark has a, a run-in with his father, Howard, and they have a meaningful conversation. Um, while they're there doing that, Rocket and Thor travel to Asgard to retrieve the Reality Stone before Malekith uses it against the Nine Realms. And while in Asgard, Thor is reminded that his mother, Frigga, would die soon and um, has a chance encounter with her while Rocket steals the ether, um, which is the vaporized version of the Reality Stone from Jane Foster. Um, so the two then return to Earth after Thor receives some, you know, wise words and advice from his mom and retrieves his hammer um, and kind of gives him a bit of motivation and inspiration to to continue with this plan. Nebula is having some malfunction. She's not able to link with uh, Rhodes to go back to the present um, through the quantum realm because her hard drive starts malfunctioning because it's linking up with the um, Nebula from that time where, you know, if you remember, Nebula was all about helping her dad, trying to please her dad, you know, before she decides to come on board with the Avengers. So she starts having that malfunction and, um, because again, it's just like one of those consequences with the time st with, you know, going back in time, you're messing with time, you're messing with the balance of everything that has already happened. So now there's going to be these small, like consequences that are going to happen. Um, but this one seems to be the big one because that means that, Thanos is realizing or going to be able to quickly catch on what is going on, at least for that Thanos in that past time. Um, so Nebula realizes what is happening and is trying to warn the others, but it's too late. Thanos shows up, scans her memories, um, discovers the Avengers plan and sends um, the more loyal past Nebula back to the present as a spy. Barton and Natasha travel to Vormir to retrieve the Soul Stone. And um, though they're conflicted with Rhett, when Red Skull, who is the keeper of the Soul Stone, informs them that the stone can only be retrieved by sacrificing someone they love. We all knew this was kind of coming because of what happened in Infinity War when Thanos went to go retrieve the Soul Stone and took um, his daughter with him. And so I think the question was in the beginning, at least for me, was who out of the Avengers was going to go. But then once you realize that it was going to be Hawkeye and Black Widow, it made sense because out of all the Avengers, their friendship was probably the most crucial and most important. And it was just it was just one of those ones where you just like it makes sense because they're really, really close. Yeah, all the Avengers are close kind of with each other, you know. Thor and Hulk, Iron Man and Captain America, but those seem to be more key players as far as the Avengers, and and this seemed to be more of a, like, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. I don't know. You, you have your own thoughts. You let me know what you guys think about this. Um, but another question that kind of struck up when they were put into this, like, as the scene was playing out, and they were kind of, you know, doing this back and forth moment about, like, oh, you know, maybe it's real, maybe it's not, maybe it's true, maybe he's messing with us, maybe it's a trick each one of us should be, but that was a serious question. Who was it going to be? Did you guys know that it was going to be Natasha the whole time? Or did you think that for a moment it really was going to be, you know, Hawkeye? 
Because then there's those other factors of like, yeah, well, it makes sense that Natasha, because she didn't really have like a family, like anything like she was like, that it was her family, like this whole, like she lived for the Avengers. So it makes sense that she would give her life for this to work out. But, and you know, because it couldn't be Clint because he has a family and that would kind of defeat the purpose of taking his family away and then him working to get them back only for him to sacrifice himself, you know? So it was kind of like a, uh, like a 50, 50 chance that either one of them were going to be it. I mean, there are some things that do make sense if, if Hawkeye was going to sacrifice himself, but in the end, it does make more sense that, um, Black Widow does bum to see that the only girl in the Avengers had to be taken out. Gosh. Anyways, I'm gonna let that go. Moving on. So, you know, Natasha ultimately takes the fall while a distraught, um, Hawkeye returns to Earth with the Soul Stone. Um, after everyone has returned to the present Earth, Stark, Rocket, Hulk set out to craft a gauntlet to wield the stones. Um, one is constructed from the same nanotech of Stark's latest Iron Man suit. And Banner volunteers himself to wield the gauntlet and bring back everyone that disappeared in Thanos' snap. Um, his reasoning behind this, because there was kind of like a big debate of who was going to be the one to wear the gauntlet and do the snap. Um, because if you remember from when Thanos did the snap, he's a pretty powerful um, being. So, and we saw how damaged he was after he did the snap. So you can only imagine what that could possibly do to one of the Avengers, any of the Avengers. Bruce decides to go ahead and be the one to... Um, wear the gauntlet and do the snap reasoning that he can withstand both the gamma radiation and the immense pain brought on by using the stones. Um, he does succeed with the snap though. They're almost immediately attacked by Thanos because he was brought to earth by the imposter Nebula and destroying the quantum portal in the process. Thanos reduces the Avengers headquarters to pretty much nothing and splits up the team which causes the gauntlet to fall into Barton's protection. So I just wanted to touch base on this too, because this scene where Barton finds the or finds the gauntlet in like this like destruction tunnel kind of thing, and it kind of give gave me like when those when his creatures I don't know what their names are, but when he, the creatures kind of start like they're crawling on the walls and the ceiling, like everything, and they start surrounding him. Uh, in the, I don't know if it was the lighting because it was red light and it was like dark and everything like that. But I was getting total alien vibes from that scene. Like they just kind of looked like something out of an alien scene um, because that's what the creatures did too. They were climbing all over the walls. I don't know if you guys had that same um, connection, but that was just me. Anyways, so um, he's trying to, you know, outrun these, these creatures and um, from getting the, the gauntlet. And then Nebula um, is the past Nebula is killed by her future self as she attempts to take the Infinity Stones from Barton because Barton runs into her after um, killing the creatures and thinks that it's her. They don't know. They're still, you know, you forget that they still don't know that it's an imposter. And then Rogers, Thor, and Stark confront Thanos. And uh, <laughs> to be honest, I was a little disappointed because when they were, you know, they kind of, when Stark was waking up Rogers and, and, and Thor was kind of just sitting there watching Thanos. They're kind of having like this stare off and 
they have this moment where they're like, okay, this is about to go down. This is about to happen. And Thor's like, let's kill him properly this time, which about fucking time. Thank you, Thor. Kill him properly. Don't let your emotions get in the damn way. Okay. Thunder of God act like it anyways. (laughs) So the moment when Thor does his little, you know, God thunder thing and the lightning starts flickering all around him and he starts getting these, you know, electricity flowing through him. And then he, you know, puts his hand up to the sky and makes that connection with thunder and his eyes are all glowy and everything. And he looks amazing. I was seriously like, guys, let me just take a moment here. I was really, really like hoping like, because he is the God of thunder that, yeah, he did the snap, like he does this connection that he does like with the, with his hammer to the, to the sky and he makes that connection and the electricity's flowing through his body. So I was like, yeah, this burning calories. Yeah. He's burning calories. Like all that, like, you know, rocket said he looks like a melted ice cream. So all that ice cream is just going to continue to melt away. And then the old, you know, strong, sexy, physically attractive Thor returns to his normal self and the, the hair goes, you know, sheds like, I don't know, like a beauty and the beast moment where like all that sheds in the moment, like goes away and he comes back to his normal self. No, he does not. He does not. I, I laughed at this moment because then all of a sudden his hair was all nice. was put up in a nice little half ponytail and his beard was even braided. Like seriously, you couldn't give him his body back. <sighs> I was really disappointed, guys. Like, I was really hoping. Like, come on now. We know he's a god. So apparently, like, he doesn't, he shouldn't have to lose weight the same way that, like, normal people have to lose weight, you know, by effort. He should have just been able to use his thunder and then zap it all away. But no, that's not how it worked. And I was really disappointed. So I don't know if you guys share that same sentiment as me. But, yep, a little disappointed there. But whatever. It worked for him. He made it work. He's still in his outfit. Anyways, so they confront Thanos, who it decides that, kind of learning from his, his future self's mistakes, that instead use the Infinity Stones to destroy the universe and just create one in his vision. So, you know, he said, I was trying to give you guys a, a chance to, to better yourselves and to, to, to kind of, you know, learn from this and, and thrive off what the, the decision I made to, to, you know, get rid of 50% of the population. But instead, you've just proved that there's no point. You guys will not get over this or accept it. So I'm just going to destroy everybody. Um, so the three fight Thanos kind of one-on-one. Um, and then one of the most pivotal moments in like Avengers movies history, you know, they kind of like Gave us a little teaser in Avengers Age of Ultron. And then you kind of like quickly forget about that until this moment. And I don't know if you guys remember where you guys were, like what theater you were in, like what movie theater you're at when you first saw this movie and witnessing this like epic moment. I was at a drive-in because I had my son. And I really wanted to see this movie and I didn't want to wait to find a babysitter. I was really impatient also because I don't want to have to worry about trying to find a babysitter. I feel bad trying to find babysitters for my son. If it's something that I know I can do with my son, I will go and do it. So drive-in was the best thing. That's how I saw infinity war was, you know, when my baby was like 
six months old and I had him in my lap or in my arms and he fell asleep while we were in the car watching the movie. It's totally doable, you guys. You know, you, you find ways to see movies and the drive-in was the perfect opportunity and I, we were sitting in the back of the SUV, made it like really comfy and cool and just, it was, it was really exciting for me to be able to experience this with my son, even though he was still too young to really understand but this moment, like I can only imagine if I was in an actual theater in a seat, I would have jumped up and started cheering because the moment that Thor's theory is confirmed when Rogers picks up, is able to wield the hammer. I'm not even going to say the technical term for the hammer because I'm just going to put, I'm tired of butchering names. So, you know, say it in your head. I'm saying it in mind. I think I'm saying it correctly in my mind, but his hammer, he wields it, which means, you know, the significance of someone being able to wield the hammer means they are worthy. They're a good person. And this moment, like, it still gives me chills. Even when I rewatch the movie, this moment is just like, it's like an adrenaline rush. Like, and that's what makes this movie so great and so good. It's because it's like this epic battle scene between them and you just feel like it gives you these feelings maybe it doesn't maybe it's just me but it makes me feel like I want to get up and just start beating the shit out of Thanos too like it gives you such an adrenaline rush without even having to do anything you're watching a movie and you're getting adrenaline rush from watching a movie from watching a scene no doubt and if if that ain't a good movie I don't know what is if that's not a powerful scene I don't know what is so just watching that scene is just so good. And then just seeing all these, like, I don't know if you guys watched different videos of people recording the reactions, like the initial reactions of when um, Captain America grabs, is able to wield the, the hammer, but everybody's cheering. And even at the drive-in, you can hear people cheering. Unfortunately, I couldn't get up and like jump for joy the way I wanted to, because I was sitting in the, laying in the SUV, but I shot up pretty quickly and I was like, oh my gosh, it, it was just, it was probably one of the greatest moments in the greatest scenes in cinema history. So if you can recall, share what your favorite memory is of watching that scene and how you felt and just, you know, that would be awesome. Um, so yeah, Thor's theories confirmed Captain America wield the hammer. Um, but unfortunately they're both, you know, taken down by Thanos and then soon after Thanos' army lands on Earth, and just when you think that history is about to repeat itself as it did in Infinity War and, and Thanos is going to win, you start, you know, it's just Rogers, you know, he's, he's standing up, he's, you know, you could tell he's physically, mentally defeated, but he's not giving up. And then you hear this sound, and you hear... Sam, aka Falcon. And then it's just a whole other kind of like, you kind of, I, obviously, I think this was their plan when making this movie is they kind of wanted the scene, you want, wanted the audience to forget about the snap that um, Hulk had because then you have the rest of the team and it's still trapped in the rubble. They're trying to, you know, get out. 
And then you have the fight scene between Iron Man, Thor and Captain America. So it's like, you're so caught up with all everything like distracted. And that's probably what Marvel, you know, the Russo brothers were wanting to do was distract you. So you forget for a moment about the snap that, that the Hulk made. And it's like, Oh yeah, it worked. It brought everybody back. He hears Sam's voice through the radio and then T'Challa appears before Rogers, um, along with all the other Avengers, all the other allies revived by Banner, um, before launching a huge assault on Thanos and his army. And then after a lengthy battle during which Stark is re- reunited with Parker, oh my god, this kid. This kid knows how to make me cry. Like, I blame becoming a mom, and motherhood has definitely softened me up. Because... The moment that Parker, you know, turned into dust in Infinity War and then him coming back. I don't know if it's Tom Holland. I don't know if it's just, you know, him in a Spider-Man suit. He makes me cry. I started crying again because it's just so many feels with this moment of Parker and, and everybody else that came back from the snap. So... I don't, it's just crazy. It's just, oh man, see, I'm starting to get emotional now. Just kidding. I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna cry. I'm not gonna cry. Anyways, so Thanos wrestles with the numerous Avengers with the Infinity Stones, and then he comes into contact with Wanda, aka Scarlet Witch, and her energy. And He's about to be, you know, he's he's realizing that he may be out of his league on this one because everybody's kind of popping up left and right. And mind you, this is Thanos from the past. This isn't Thanos that did the ultimate snap. He doesn't know who these people are. Like, he only knows so much from Nebula's memory card. And then all these people are coming back and they just have so much anger against him. He's kind of realizing his consequence, the, you know, the result, the consequences of his actions. Um, so everybody's kind of coming back. They're, they're all fighting Thanos. Thanos orders Glive, one of his henchmen, to have his ship fire multiple energy blasts, which nearly devastating, which nearly takes out the Avengers' um, efforts. And then something else happens, which, again, I don't know if this happened to you. I forgot about Captain Marvel. This may have been the plan, again, for the intentions of the Russo brothers is to get the kind of the audience to forget about her by everything that was going on in between. So that way, when she makes her grand entrance, you're like, yes, oh, yeah, I totally forgot about her. I kind of feel bad, you know, but I'm sure it was the intention the whole time for her to have this grand entrance, reappearance, taking of of a secret weapon, you know, that Thanos didn't know about. So, um, she reappears, destroying the ship and taking out, you know, taking out Thanos' ship while fighting for control of the gauntlet and using the nanotech from the gauntlet, you know, they're kind of passing it back and forth. They're kind of doing this, um, monkey in the middle kind of thing, you know, passes it to, um, T'Challa, then T'Challa to Spider-Man, then Spider-Man to Valkyrie, and then, you know, and then Pepper, hello, Pepper, can we talk about that for a moment? Pepper comes, you know, shows up in the 
version, like a similar version of Iron Man, like an Iron Man suit version, but for her, which is totally awesome. And her and Iron Man have this epic tag team moment where, you know, they're kind of like at each, you know, backing each other up. It's really great. There's just so many moments in this scene. And then can we talk about the epic one, like the, the girl power that was created with all the girl, you know, the Avenger girls teaming up and backing up Captain Marvel when she gets the gauntlet. That was another great moment. So many great moments in this fight scene that it's just, it, it's a bit overwhelming. Um, so trying to get this, the gauntlet again, because it's really close. You know, you're on your edge, of, you're on the edge of your seat. The suspense is building. You're like going crazy. Cause you're like, this can't happen again. He can't win. And so finally Stark maneuvers the infinity stones from Thanos's hand into his own and uses them to turn Thanos and his entire army into dust. And with those infamous words stating that he, like, I am Iron Man. And unfortunately, because of the immense power and strength of the gauntlet and using the stones, and, you know, Stark being human, you know, he, he, the snap takes a toll on him. And unfortunately, it, it, you know, he dies from exposure to the stone's radiation, but not before having a moment between himself and Spider-Man. And again, I swear this kid knows how to work the tears because it's just, oh God, he just like, damn you, Spider-Man. Anyways, it's a really sad moment. And then he has this moment with Pepper. And, you know, that's just kind of like an epic way for the character of Iron Man to kind of be done with the franchise. Um, unfortunately, he has to he has to die. But, I mean, it's, it's, it's all part of Marvel's plan. It's unfortunate. Um, so with that, following the battle, the Avengers hold a funeral for Stark, who's whose mark the arc reactor is floated out on the lake next to his house. Um, and then you kind of see, a, a uh, like a, it kind of, you know, as, as Pepper and her daughter push out the, the little, his heart, you know, into the lake, you, it kind of shows everybody, you know, grieving for, his sacrifice that he made. Um, you see Hope's parents, um, Mr. and Mrs. Pym, and then you even see the little boy. I don't know if you guys noticed this, um, but there's this, this, he's not a little boy anymore, obviously, but he's, he's, you know, a grown young man. He's standing off to himself by himself. And he, he's the little boy from the last Iron Man. Um, the one who kind of helps him put together, um, I don't know the actor's name, but he's, he's pretty, um, relevant. He's pretty well known. He's, he's done quite a few movies that have, have made him recognizable, at least to me. So he was an Iron Man and the last Iron Man, he was a little kid, techie kid that helped him, um, you know, get all his gear together and everything. And then he was also in Jurassic World. The first one, he was the little boy who's gray. He was the little boy who knew all the, who went to go visit his aunt on the island. So he's that. And then I think even before 
I'm not sure if the movie came out before Iron Man. It may have been between Iron Man and Jurassic World, but he was in Insidious. He was the little boy that was um, kind of possessed, you know, or like in this uh, coma. So if you recognize him, that's where he's from. If you don't, like you don't know. Um, but yeah, that's that's where he's from. Anyways, so that's that's him. That's the character in that movie. He's the little boy that from Iron Man 3, but he's all grown up now. So I thought it was cool that they brought him back for the funeral. Um, and then, of course, you finally see at the end, um, Fury, which I'm kind of bummed out. He wasn't a part of the fight along with, um, what's her name? Oh, my gosh. But anyway, so it was kind of, so he's back, you know, they, he makes his little, his little entrance um, at uh, Stark's funeral. Um, and yeah, so that's how um, that ends. It doesn't necessarily end with Stark's funeral like you think it does, but it kind of brings all the Avengers together um, for this memorial. Um, so then after the funeral, Barton and, and Wanda, they kind of take a moment in the fact that that Black Widow and Vision Unfortunately, we're not able to return in the snap, but, you know, they, they do reckon, they do remember them and think about how they would be so proud of their victory over Thanos. Um, Thor then goes ahead back to their the little island like of Asgard, little town of Asgard, and makes Valkyrie the queen of Asgard and then decides to join the Guardians of the Galaxy in order to find his true purpose, which I'm excited about because that can only mean one thing if this goes in the direction for the third um, part volume uh, for Guardians of the Galaxy is that Thor will be with him. And I'm not ready to, to not see Thor anymore. So I'm really looking forward to that to that movie too and seeing where that takes us. Um, and then Barton returns home to his family. Um, Spider-Man returns to school where he's reunited with his best friend, Ned. Meanwhile, Rogers is tasked to go into the past to return the stones because you don't want to, because then that'll send off uh, a set of unfortunate events because those stones were, were taken out of their timeline. So he has to go back and, and return all of them as well as Thor's hammer to the original timeline. Um, but decides to not return to the present and to instead live the rest of his life in the past with Carter, which I think is good kind of, way of tying up Captain America's, you know, time with Marvel. Um, so he, when he does return back to Sam and Bucky, he returns as his old man, as an old man. And there in that moment, he passes the shield in the mantle of Captain America onto, to Falcon. And, um, the movie ends with a brief flashback showing Rogers and Carter finally sharing the dance that they never got to have in their living room. Truly happy at last. And I'm, I'm really glad that Captain America got his happy ending with Carter because as you followed the Avengers movies and Captain America movies, he's always, he's always, you know, remembering her. He's always, you know, expressing how he missed her, you know, always talking about her. And so clearly this, it, he's not able to move on. He's not able to live in this, this, um, present day without her, you know, in a way he kind of lost her twice. He lost her when he, for in Captain America, the, the first Avenger movie. 
um, when he like sacrificed himself and dove into the to the Arctic. And then when he woke up 70 years later, and she was, you know, this little old woman who's already lived her life. Um, but then you're thinking, what happened to that great niece, I think, or the niece of Carter, who he had, like, a little thing with? I don't know. Like, did she come back from the snap? Was she gone from the snap, too? Like, I don't know if they're going to maybe in a different, like, Marvel in the phase four, they're going to talk about that. It was kind of weird. Like, yeah, he had this thing with her, but then he went back to her aunt. Like, it's kind of weird. Kind of weird. I think about things like that. I don't know if you do. So that, unfortunately, is the end of Avengers Endgame. You know, it's sad to see it end, um, but like all good things must come to an end so that way Marvel can move forward with their next plan and lineup of movies. Um, into phase four. I'm really excited to see what they have in store for us um, with all their individual series, you know, Wanda and Vision, uh, Bucky and the Falcon, or AKA Winter Soldier. Um, and then like with the Black Widow um, individual movie, you know, kind of with her, just really excited, um, really pumped. I'm glad that in a way they're bringing some of these, the other Avengers back in their own little way. Um, but unfortunately for Iron Man and Captain America, that's, you know, it ends there for them. Um, so yeah, I hope you enjoyed this discussion summary of the movie. Uh, if it, if you're a fan like I am, you know, leave a comment on my Instagram, Twitter. If you have questions, you want something, you know, want to bring up something or just tell me how you feel, how the movie made you feel, um, then just email me. Uh, again, my Twitter is at hhrvictabulous. Instagram is all one word, happy hour with Victabulous. And then my email is happyhourvictabulous at hotmail.com. I hope you follow. I hope you enjoyed. Uh, next episode, official episode for episode two, I'm really excited. Um, it's going to be a review discussion on the movie Knives Out. This kind of old school whodunit type of movie, you know, gives you kind of clue feels with everything and is just a really good movie. I enjoyed it. It has Captain America in it. So if you couldn't already tell, I'm a big, um, huge Captain America fan slash Chris Evans. So it was, it was a good, it was a good, um, whodunit film that we hadn't had in a while. So I hope you guys will come back and listen. Uh, and then of course, you know, briefly in the beginning, we'll talk about if any of you guys leave comments or, um, any questions in regards to Avengers Endgame, I'll go ahead and touch and on those points briefly before we get into a night's out. So yeah, follow me, send me questions, whatever it is. I'm here. I look forward to, uh, entertaining you guys in the next episode. Bye. Mm -hmm.